If you want to stand for the reading of the word in Second Kings. Amen. Give honor to Brother Miller as well. Amen. Brother Dylan, I haven't met you until tonight. I give honor to you as well. Second Kings chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets of Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, The handmaiden have not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all the neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. Get as many as you can possibly find. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. Jesus, I love you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Ghost that is in this place to do a great work this night. I pray, God, for your anointing upon the hearer of the word, God, tonight to receive with gladness what you would have Lord, let your word accomplish, God, what you have set it forth to tonight in the name of Jesus. Anoint this vessel tonight, God, to pour out, Lord, as you have poured into me. I pray against every foul spirit of hindrance tonight in the name of Jesus. And I pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this service tonight as you would have it done in heaven in the name of Jesus. You may be seated tonight. Amen. In verse number 6, and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. The oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and the children of the rest. Amen. I'm going to attempt to preach this thought tonight. And the oil stayed. And the oil stayed. Amen. I'm thankful tonight for oil. Amen. For anointing that is given to us. But I'm thankful for the Word of God that talks to us uh, about if when we are obedient to the man of God and the Word of God and how God is going to honor and raise uh, up. And I'm thankful tonight for the Word of God that says, And the oil stayed. And uh, verses 1 and 2, the prophet's wife is introduced to us. Her husband died with debt that occurred by Jezebel's rule. Elisha tends to her because of her husband's faithfulness and fear of the Lord. In verses 3 and 4, Elisha gives instruction to the widow and to uh, the two sons. It's basically saying, get to work. He's not giving them a whole lot of grief, but he's saying it's time to get to work. It's time to go out and do what you got to do. Amen. I can only imagine as in that day, if I were to place myself in my household there, 
that if some young boy come knocking on my door in the midst of a drought, in the midst of a famine, that I would have been a little reluctant to go and give one of my vessels that I had, especially if it had just a little bit left in it. But I can imagine that there were some doors that were shut on those young boys as they went out and knocked on the door. Uh, and they said, hey, we, we need a vessel here. And I couldn't imagine that some of the response was, hey, we gave something to your mama last week. Leave us alone. That widow's been sending you boys around here asking for this, that, and the other thing for a little bit too long. Now, we're in a drought. We're in a famine as well. So just go ahead and go on your way. Anybody ever come to the house of the Lord with a need and kind of felt like that was the response from the people in the church? And I'm not talking about financially. I'm, I'm talking about sometimes they're just like they're too busy for you to come and step inside their clique. I said it. I'm sorry. I don't apologize. Amen. It's something that's there. It's something that churches deal with. Our four and no more. Don't allow me into this group. Don't you come knocking on my door. Your your dad, he went and left you all a bunch of debt. That's not on us. That's on your mom. And that's on you boys. And those boys were scared to death. Them boys were scared to death because the bond man was knocking on the door saying, if you don't pay up the father's debt, we're going to take you boys and we're going to make you start working as a slave until that debt is paid off. Some of you mamas think about your boys being drug off into slavery when they're just maybe 12 and 13 years old. How would you be responding at that time as well? When there's no water in the land, there's no food in the land, and the only thing that you have left in your cupboard is a dried up vessel with just a little bit of oil left in it. Can I tell you that the enemy's job in this hour that we are living in is to take every ounce of your energy and your breath and wear you out. In Daniel, it talks about the enemy wearing out the saints in the end times. And I understand that that has been happening for about five years now where the enemy has pulled out all the plugs and he's, saying, and he's trying to wear out the saints at every end of their life, every side that you look at sometimes it feels like you're being wore out. You're being emptied out and you haven't had time to tend to the vessel in the cupboard. You come to church and you pray for people and you believe for people to get their miracles. You pour out into them service after service to no resolve, no change, nothing happening. And you go home and you're trying to keep a positive mental attitude for your family. But yet now things are starting to wear out a little here and wear out a little there. One family member falling away at a time taking another breath source away from a parent in some way or, or shape. And the enemy is very good at doing his job. He's been very faithful at wearing out the church, and he knows every tactic there is to get a hold of your children and to get a hold of you. 
but there's just something tonight that's got me stirred up that even though there might be some here tonight that don't feel like you're much and you don't have much to offer to the kingdom of God and to the growing of the church can I tell you you have a vessel worth something it may not have a whole lot in it right now it may not feel like it's at being used at the greatest potential of its life right now but you have a vessel of purpose and a vessel of principle that is sitting here in this house tonight that God is saying if you'll just give it to me I'll fill your vessel to the uttermost now maybe I'll just come back up here y'all respond better I get too close, amen, but I'm just going to go ahead and try to get through a couple more of these verses. But can you imagine tonight that someone that had lost their husband and their husband has all this debt, what the tongue waggers would be saying at the coffee center. Oh, man, that, that, that woman, her husband went off and left a whole bunch of debt, and now she's got her kids out every day begging for something, trying to feed them, and, and she's just in that, in that house, and she's not opening up that door and coming out because she's so embarrassed. No, she don't have nothing left to give, tongue wagger. I don't know why I'm going on that, but here, let's just stay there for a minute. She was faithful right alongside her faithful husband who feared the Lord. And now you're sitting in a coffee house wagging your tongue just because she ain't there with you. Oh, you might as well just go ahead and admit it. Your heart is as full of sin as the next one. Verses 3 and 4, moving on, trying to get past that for a minute. Are we all good? All right, Elisha gives instruction to the widow in verses 3 and 4 and to her two sons and says, it's time to get to work. It's time to go and gather as many vessels as you can find. Knock on every door. Ask them for the ones that are sitting outside the back door full of dirt. I'll take it. If it's got a little bit of dirt in it and it hasn't been washed out, I'll take it. If it's got last week's supper, left in it and hasn't been washed out, I'll take it. If the vessel's starting to stink a little bit, you go get that vessel and I'll take it. It doesn't matter if it's cleaned up. It doesn't matter if it's completely empty yet. Maybe what's been in there's grown stale and stinks, but go ahead and take it, Mama, because God's going to use what you bring to him. And if you'll bring something to him tonight, I promise you it don't matter how bad it stinks. It doesn't matter how bad, how far you think you've gone away from the will of God or not. If you're just willing to get a vessel and bring it before the master, I promise you he will fill it. But you got to get to work. Verse 5, she don't have much, but she has something that's very, very important in the story. You see, she could have went to the man of God and shook him by the collar. Hey, God, man of God, I need something. My husband was faithful and feared the Lord, and and I need something. And the man says, what do you got? She says, I got a vessel with a little bit of oil. And he says, go ahead and go home and get that and, and send your boys out and get some more. She had this great thing. It's a great spiritual thing to grab a hold of tonight. No matter where your walk is with God right now, whether you're just trying to figure out if he's real or if you're just trying to figure out if he'll restore you or if he'll use you in this hour or if he's got a ministry for you. She had this great commodity called follow through. 
Come on, she had this great commodity called follow-through that when she went to the man of God, she was not asking amiss. She was not asking for something to make her, her ears feel good and to tickle the goosebumps on the back of her bat neck, but she had a desire in her to take and say, okay, man of God, whatever you tell me I need, I'm going to do it because I got faith in the same God that my husband had faith in. You must have follow through in this every situation of your life. You've got to have a spiritual follow through when it comes to the kingdom of God. Whether it's getting yourself saved, your household saved, or other vessels around you saved. You have got to have a follow through. You've got to, it's one of the greatest commodities in the word of God that I can find. It don't don't matter how little you think you have or how little you feel you are worth. You are worth something to Jesus, and he will use what you have. Can I say that again? He will use what you have. If I could preach anything tonight in this first night of revival, it would be this. You've got to have follow through when it comes to the Word of God. You've got to have something inside you that says, I might have been washed up at one time. I might have been a sinner that was undone at one time. But I've got a Savior who loves me, and he's given me instructions that I've got to repent of my sins. I've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, fully submerged in water. I must follow through with the plan of salvation. I must follow through with what the Word of God says. When Jesus ascended up into heaven, he did not go and leave us high and dry, but he went to further the promise that he would send back the comforter to dwell on the inside of us. We've got to follow through until we get the breakthrough of the comforter coming from the outside to the inside. You might have had goosebumps on your neck before, but God wants to fill you all the way up and let you have goosebumps on your tongue as well. That was free. It was extra. It wasn't in here. You've got to have follow through for every aspect of God. If I could just go ahead and spend a few more minutes on this commodity called follow through. In Luke 15, 17, my mind is drawn back to, and it says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now the, the prodigal, as we call him, had a choice to make. When he came to himself, he recognized he had messed up, and he made a declaration to God. He said, I will arise. The first part is he had to get up, and then the second declaration was, and I will go to my father. And the third was, I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven and before thee. 
we are we qualify ourselves sometimes as making a declaration on a Sunday night in an altar. I've sinned against you, God. Restore me. And you get up and you don't let God restore you. Just let him give you some goosebumps on your back. And he desired to come deep into the darkest spots of your soul. And I want you to understand tonight, if you only would have had follow through on Monday. The rich, this young man, he had to get up. He had to recognize not only am I not my, have I not been myself, but I've got to go to my father and I've got to tell him I've recognized that I messed up. You know, when we read that story all the way through, the son does this part of follow through, he gets up. And he does the second part, and he starts heading toward his father. And on his journey, his father sees him afar off, and he begins to run to him. The young man could have stayed in his sin-sick heart, but he had follow-through. He went ahead and said, Father, wait a minute. I have sinned against you and against God. I just want to be a servant in his father. Still had mercy on him and put the ring on him and put the robe on him anyway. Why? Because he followed through. When he repented, he followed through. Can I get someone to understand tonight? He, you have got to have follow through when you talk to God at the altar. made a declaration and came to himself. Whenever sin is revealed, we've got to make a declaration to ourselves and to God. Forgive me, God, of my sin. God, forgive me for allowing it to come in and not being where I need it to be and recognize it when it tried to come in and follow through with keeping it under the blood if he had not followed through with the declaration of repentance, he never would have been restored. You're wanting to know tonight why are some not being restored the way that it's been promised that they be restored? It's because they're not following through. They get just enough of a blessing to ease their conscience. I know I'm preaching tonight because there's some of you, you can immediately think of somebody that's come in and they started to get a breakthrough, and that's all the further they went. The next service, they just stayed in their pew and worshiped like everybody else, but they never got that great breakthrough that God desired to give to them because they got their conscience eased by just feeling the presence of God. God, have we done a disservice to some that walk through the doors and not push them to get the breakthrough that will make the oil stay? When they did their part. The boys went out and did what mom said. And mom did what she was told to do. All the house was filled. Kind of sounds like a type and shadow of the book of Acts. When they went and tarried in the upper room, they toiled. They spent their time there. And they stayed until there appeared cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them as the whole house was filled. I just wonder tonight, do we really 
tarry long enough in the altars until we see an appearance of cloven tongues like as a fire set down upon the whole house. I'm preaching to the saints of God. The young people, everybody in the house tonight, we've got to learn how to tarry until cloven tongues like as a fire because it's the fire that's going to seal the vessel. It's the fire that's going to seal the vessel. Finish preaching. Thank you for standing. Amen. I'm just messing. I know it's Wednesday night. Nobody wants to. They just want to come in and, you know, get their ears tickled a little bit. They don't want nothing convicting, right? So I'll, I'll just go ahead and follow through with the rest of the message. I said. Every miracle that Elisha, Elijah, and any other prophet and Jesus himself ever did had a purpose behind it. And let me say that again. Every miracle that Elisha, Elijah, any other prophet or Jesus ever did had a purpose behind it. What are you doing with your miracle, church? What is the purpose if it isn't reaching everyone it can? Who are you pouring into with your miracle? Has your vessel just gotten down so low that you can't pour into another vessel? Is this not, all right, pastor, is this all right? I got nods, pastor's not here. I nodded because I couldn't hear. Second Kings verse, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, The oil stayed many times. I have read that and thought that it meant stopped or left no more. The oil stayed, right? Stopped. They poured into every vessel that was available. And it says the oil stayed and so many times we're so comfortable with the Holy Ghost just staying like we think that that word there means in this portion of scripture but when I looked up that word I found out that it's used 521 times in the Hebrew it has 42 different ways to translate depending on the gestures and the sounds that are made during speaking this word Ahmad would depend on how it would translate into the English. So let me share with you what it means in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 6. It means the oil stood it means to abide it abode in the house it means to arise or raise up to confirm to dwell to endure to establish to remain to place permanently to prevail to continue it is still in the house waiting to heal, waiting to confirm, waiting to prevail, waiting to rise up, waiting to dwell, waiting to endure, waiting to establish, waiting to be placed permanently in somebody tonight as long as 
the oil never went away. It never stopped. It was there from generation to generation. It's still in the house waiting to be poured out as long as we keep the anointing stirred up in us. It will always be in the house. The anointing, it stayed and it paid all the debt of every sin. Oh, when I was studying this, I got to looking into some of the other things, and I thought when it said, now take and pay your bills and live off all the rest. That's not what it says. It doesn't say off. It says live of the rest. In other words, every time you have a bill, Mama, you get a, you get that vessel you pour it out of, and you pour it into a vessel to take into town and pay that bill. Every time your son has to go into the doctor, you get that vessel out, and you pour down into it again and let him take in and pay the bill. Every time you need some meat... You go ahead and pour into a vessel and take in and let it provide. They lived of the rest. There was a plenty there, and they kept on pouring. As a type and a shadow of the Holy Ghost and fire, when it was poured into them like as cloven tongues, a fire that seals the fire was never meant, the power of the Holy Ghost, the anointing was never meant to be taken away or to dwindle down or to become weak. But when God poured out the Holy Ghost into you, he poured a fire to be reckoned with that could never run dry. It could never lose its power. It would never, never stop pouring. You're running low on the Holy Ghost tonight. Let me tell you, it stays. The Holy Ghost stays. It's not going nowhere. It's still here today for as many as there are. Yeah, let me go back. And it was really good when I read everything. It's still raising up. It's still confirming. It's still dwelling. It's still enduring. It's still prevailing. It's still paying the price of every debt that I could not pay. And when I got to thinking about how the oil stands and the oil abides and it arises and it raises up and it confirms and it dwells and it endures and it remains and it places permanently and it prevails to pay again and it, it, to continue on. I begin to think about the blood of Jesus at Calvary. It is the blood of Jesus reaching the highest mountain in the lowest valley. It is through his blood that is applied in water baptism that is still bringing victories. You can't tell me the oil's left the house when somebody goes down in the water in the name of Jesus. That oil is raised up again. That anointing is applied again. That blood is applied again. It's still just as strong today. Well, I'm going to give the best part of my I had one more scripture in there that I was supposed to read before I got to that part. So I have to back up. No. We... Even like Peter, get wore down. You got that scripture in Luke, the last scripture in Luke. This is in. I'm going to go to the next one. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. 
begin to think about that and how this how Satan is trying to sift and wear out the church in this hour. And Jesus said to Simon, but I have prayed for you. Simon, I've prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. In other words, you're going to have trial. You're going to have temptation. But I prayed for you, church. Peter was a representation of the church, and that was a message to the church. If I ever heard it, you're going to have problems. But after you're converted, understand that I have prayed for you. I'm making intercession for you that your oil don't run out. I know it seems like that from time to time, that the oil runs and we get weak and we get wore down and battle shoes get wore out sometimes and and everything. But one thing I've come to know, and if I could just make it back to the refilling station, if I could just make it back where I got my anointing the first time, I was standing about right here on a Sunday night of Father's Day as a youth leader back in, I ain't going to tell you how far along ago it was. And I was standing there on that Sunday night of Father's Day, and God replenished me. I had been feeling like I was wore out, ineffective for about five years as a youth leader. And all of a sudden, God come in, and he gave me a vision, and he, and he began to restore in me. And I realized, hey, you know what? If I'll just come to myself where I found myself, where I found my first love, I'll just keep coming back to that place where the oil stays, the anointing stays, the Holy Ghost is there. And if you, friend, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight and you've never had it and you're wanting something that will stay in your life and not let you go, it's the Holy Ghost and fire. It'll stay with you. It'll keep you. It'll seal you. And it'll keep pouring out through you. In this hour, we've got to have that oil that stays. Not stays right here, but continues to fill every vessel that is brought to it. Back in the, that day, they would take those vessels and they would either give the whole vessel or pour an amount of what was in the vessel out to pay for their bills. Sometimes that they would give such a great portion of that vessel that they would give the whole vessel and get a smaller vessel in return. So if they were to have to take that smaller vessel back to the house and fill it up, It doesn't matter if they got a bigger vessel in return or if they got a smaller vessel. It was going to be filled back up as long as they kept returning back to the house. Now, there are some Jewish rabbis that teach a couple of things about the scripture. One, they teach that the oil was there for generations to come. As long as that house was in the family and that pot never left the house, they would bring that pot back to that house and fill that vessel up. That they also teach that this man that was so broken, that he was so much in debt that he was that he died and was going to lose his sons. And the woman and the widow said 
my, you know my husband was a servant and he loved the Lord. The same Jewish rabbis teach that this man was Obadiah, the prophet that went and paid all his money that he could find and borrow to hide the hundred prophets from Jezebel at that time. And because of his faithfulness to the prophets of God, God rewarded his family from generation to generation to generation to generation. Why am I saying that, men? If you're thinking about giving up your testimony, let me tell you, your oil, your anointing, your testimony is going to take care of your family as long as there's someone to get them to the house of God and fill them up. and you raise your hands two amens behind me come on man elder younger if you're struggling with holding on to your testimony and what God's done for you and where God's brought you from and you're thinking it's time to give it up because you're feeling dry. Get your vessel back to the altar because that's going to be a testimony of your faithfulness to God. And it could be the very thing that saves your family from the biggest drought and famine coming in the land. It's because they knew how to get to where they're vessel could be full. There's something that's getting ready to take place in our country. I'm not prophetically speaking. I'm just saying what, what I'm feeling when I'm praying or something, that if we think COVID was bad, what's getting ready to happen in our country, whether it's a war being fought on our ground or whatever, it might be another sickness that's getting ready to sweep through our land. All I know is if you couldn't keep your testimony during COVID, you're not going to be able to keep your testimony during this next season. You've got to have your vessel full. You've got to keep it full in this hour. You've got to keep it full in this hour. One of the definitions of stayed that I really liked was that it healed. That even though it's going to continue to pour, it's going to heal too. And God's blood heals still. I was in a service in New Mexico, and I preached Sunday morning, and I believe it was Sunday night. I just got done preaching, and uh, this sister who played the piano came up and got me and she said brother Wright would you play, pray for my son I said sure and she had pointed him out to me and he was sitting over here he is in a suit and tie just a sharp looking 19 year old boy and on the way there there was a younger boy that was over here, and I, I just walked by, I stopped, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, Lord, you know his need, touch him tonight in Jesus' name. And then I come, and I got to her son, and I laid my hand on his head, and when I did, God knocked me to my knees, and I looked up on the wall, and I seen this brains, this brain up there, and I'm looking at him like, Lord, I'm looking at this, this boy, and the Lord said, I promised you a ministry where there would be mentally handicapped that were healed, right? And I said, yes, why not let it start tonight? I said, okay, and at that moment, 
I seen blood begin to come out up over the, the, the brain, and it was flowing in the left side of the brain, but it wasn't getting into the right side. And I said, Lord Jesus, let the blood in this boy's brain flow from the left side to the right side the way you designed it to. And immediately in that vision on the wall, I saw blood begin to come and flow through the right side of his brain. I began just praying that. And when I said that, that mama took off like a rocket. And she didn't, it didn't matter to her that people had checked out and were walking out. She went around that place just hollering and saying, Oh, God has heard my prayer. God has heard my prayer. She went out to eat with Pastor and us after service. And she told us, she said, Brother Wright, as soon as you said that about his blood flowing from the left to the right, I knew God had heard my prayer. Because just this very day, I was standing at work in a prayer circle, and one of the ladies said, Lord, give her a sign that the blood's going to flow from the left side of his brain to the right side of his brain. Because at childbirth, they used an instrument that severed all the vessels of blood from flowing into the right side of his brain. And he hadn't been able to read or comprehend or grow in other areas of learning like he should have. And that, that mama just said, I just know that God healed me because he, you spoke those exact words. And the very next week, we're driving down the road, and my wife opens up the email, and she says, you're not going to believe that. That sister, and she told her by name, she said she sent us this email that her boys, both of her boys have been to the doctor. One had a learning disability, not quite as bad as the other, but that one was reading chapter books to her in the back seat of the car on the way to school every day of the week. So she took him in to get a checkup, and they found that his blood was flowing to both sides of his brain. The wake that it was designed to do, something it did not do before. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter. There's healing in the house. If you're willing to say, God, I'm going to make a declaration and I'm going to follow through with my prayer. I remember preaching revival and we had called it they had named it a miracle revival and on the second night it was I guess we started on Wednesday night and it was Saturday night this lady walked in and it was um, a little different kind of church as evangelists you can run into some of those and there were elders that would come up and the sister come in the back door and she wasn't dressed like everybody else she didn't look like everybody else and she come walking in one of the elders stopped her about halfway through and she said is this the place where I can have my miracle and he looked at me and he said, from here on down, tell her she can have a miracle. I said, well, start praying for her. So some of the elders that had kind of met her down there, they started praying for her. And I, I went down, down there and I was listening to them pray. And finally I just said, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? And she said, yes, I do. And I desire and I laid my hand on her head, and I began to pray, and all of a sudden I see her arms going up. This has been a few years back now, and she began to lift up her arms, and when her arms got all the way up, God filled her with the Holy Ghost right there in the middle. It was right in the middle in the preaching. How dare her get her miracle right then? Come to find out the next... And she testified, 
mentioned that in a, that three years prior she had been in a car accident and had all her muscles and nerves uh, severed from her shoulders and on her honeymoon night when they were leaving from their, their reception and they got hit by a drunk driver and she hadn't been able to feel her husband's hands in three years. But when I lifted them up, I felt the blood begin to flow in my hands. She said, my mama used to sing in church with a passion, and I never knew that passion. And she began to sing a song with passion like I never heard it. It was out of the, the songbook. And, and I, every eye in that place had fountains rolling out of it because that woman had gotten a miracle. She could lift her hands. She could sing. And she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter matter what manner you think God might do it if you've got faith and you bring it to the old you bring it to the house of God it, that oil is in here oh, can, can I just have a couple more minutes you bring the oil into the house You bring the oil into the house. So is the oil going to be powerful? Or is the oil going to be weak? Because you bring the oil. I'm just, tonight, I promise you, I'm just here to stir you up again. You want that oil that stays? Well, you lay your hands on the sick and they are healed right before you. You want that oil that stays where whenever the enemy rises up against you, you can have victory because you've got an oil. You've got a relationship with Jesus that says the oil is going to stay in me. Come on, would you stand with me all over the house tonight? You need a renewing of your oil. If your vessel has run low, I'm going to want to ask you to not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if you feel like your oil's run low because you're in the right place. You're in the right place for that oil to be renewed in you. So I'm going to ask you tonight to be honest with yourself. Have you had the follow-through to keep your vessel full? Have you had the follow-through to keep your vessel full? see some nodding, yeah, that's good, because where that confidence is, tells me there's miracles getting ready to happen. a need tonight. Do you have a shoulder that needs healed tonight? Somebody in here got a shoulder that needs healed tonight? Or are you going to let the doctors do it?
Lord Jesus, according to your word, your will, your stripes in which we are healed by God. Lord, I pray right now, let that oil come down, God, and heal this shoulder, God. Let strength return to it tonight, God. Let faith, God, to begin to raise it up, God. Lord, let it stand as a testimony tonight, God, of your power, your strength, God, in this house tonight. 